Hey, this is Chris, and thanks for listening to the China On Podcast. We want to hear from you, so we implemented a system, and it's called Pod Inbox. So if you want to leave us a message, give us some feedback, or interact with us directly, go to www.podinbox.com slash chinon. All right, you ready? Go, do it. All right, let's do it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This is China on episode six. I'm Chris Hine. I'm here with my dad, Rick Hine. How you doing? Good. All right. So the reason why I brought you on here is I'm starting a business. I'm about two months into it, and this isn't really what I thought it was. Not for better or worse, but it's just different. And we've talked a lot about this over those past two months and even before that. So. You gave me a lot of good insight about starting a business, and I wanted to bring you on to talk about it. So, sure, what do I need to know? What well, do the people need to know? Well, listen, as you could see, starting a business is not what you thought it was. No, um, it's not a job. It's no. um, it becomes part of your life, and there is no let up. You know, especially with a startup. Um, one of the first things that people need to consider when they're starting a business is can you handle failure? Can you handle if it doesn't work? Can you handle it financially and emotionally? Um, that's the questions you have to ask. So before you do anything, forget about your ideas, your goals, your ambition. If your great idea, because they are all great ideas, um, fail and you're in your kitchen and you just, it's just run out of gas, what do you do? Can you handle that? You have to think about, hey, am I going to be completely wiped out? Zero dollars in the bank account, no money, destitute. I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. You got to put some reserve in. Um, and so if you can handle that, if you can't handle it financially or emotionally, then you got to reconsider your plan and maybe not give it up because nobody wants to give up their dreams of starting a company, but either modify it um, and take a different approach so so you can pick yourself off the floor. Did you do that for your first company? Oh, sure. Everything that you – you have to go out there and do it. The uh, first company, I painted houses, so that didn't really count. I was 17 and I just decided that – Sure. Let me paint houses, and before I knew it, I had like six people working for me. So it went somewhere. So the 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 uh, raw skill set was there, but still wasn't high on my list for uh, starting a company, you know, in the future. So the first company I actually started was um, Reprographic Technologies, and it was a facilities management company where you set up mail rooms and copy centers on um, uh, on company sites. They outsource all their that work to you, equipment, people, the whole bit. And um, so one of the one of the things that was before me when I was presented with the opportunity to do something for Citibank, in fact, um, they said to me, hey, listen, we've got all these facilities out on Long Island, New York. We'd like you to do it. And um, I said, great, that's great. And I really calculated exactly what I needed. And... 
they said to me, uh, you know, when when I put up the numbers, it was a million dollars. And uh, so you sit down and you go, okay, can you borrow against your house? Can you get some money from friends and relatives? Can you put all these things together? And you quickly reject those. Sure. It's not real because if you're taking it to the end, all right, it fails. Now my house is massively in debt. I have no way to pay it. I've borrowed from friends and family, so now there's no resources to go to, plus tremendous resentment. Yeah. And there's two factors to borrowing from people like that. If you fail and you don't pay them back, it's a big problem. And sometimes, you know, in families, there's a lot of weird dynamics. You start borrowing money from people, and then all of a sudden you're a giant success, and they want to know why you just paid them back, you know, the money <laughs> and the interest, and why don't they get a piece of the company? So it gets a little weird. And so there you sit with the idea of like, okay, how do I move ahead and how do I get this done? And this was done like in a 12-hour period. So This, this self-conversation? This, well, it's self-conversation. I talked to uh, your mother, obviously, about it at the time we were married. And um, it was like, all right, it's not going to work going to personal resources. I'm going to have to go back to the source. So, you know, when you talk about problem solving, it was like, hey, Citibank's a bank. They're a finance company. Sure. Um, put together a proposal, wrote it all up, went back into the office the next day and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's the cost. Here's everything that we need. Oh, and by the way, you have to, um, finance all the equipment. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know, I had nothing to lose because it wasn't going to happen any other way. And they said, that sounds like a plan. And that's what they did. And so, um, You've got to figure out what you can do, what your limitations, and then when you run into that wall, you don't sit back and feel sorry for yourself. You think. Um, if you're starting a business, you really have to get into the thinking component. Sure. And you really have to be self-reliant. It's not you against the world and everybody's against you. That's all nonsense, garbage. You really have to, to plug into thinking. When you plug into thinking and logic... You can maneuver through problems. Um, if you do that and you don't make it, you can be confident and comfortable that you did everything that you could do that you knew to do. The things that you learn along the way will be priceless. And then you move forward uh, on the next venture or career path and you come back a better, stronger person. Then it's not failure. It's just an <clears throat> obstacle that you move past. Yeah. Look, I mean, everybody used the word failure. You know, we use it in this already here. Uh, I don't think there's any, fa I think failure ultimately comes when you fail to breathe your last breath. <laughs> there is really no failure. You go out and you do things you think is right. You work in, um, um, you try to keep things uh, above board, do the right thing. You work hard. Sometimes it doesn't work out. That's an obstacle. If your business fails, quote unquote, that's an obstacle. How do I get around it? How do I regroup? And how you do that is the uh, the fun in life. And when you think through those problems and those situations and you succeed because ultimately you will, because you have to, um, you start getting connected more to nature, more to the things, the, the, the flow of life, sort of like an artist, you know, with a muse and, or, or a writer and they hit their stride and they take off. Um, you start to gain uh, tremendous confidence you don't um, care 
what people say or think. And I don't mean people around you that you did something bad to somebody that you don't care. Uh, there's critics all over the place. Doesn't matter. Name callers, um, whatever. You pay attention to them. It's at your own peril. It's, it's dumb. But the point is, is that it's, a, it's an adventure. And you've got to go with it. Now, in terms of the responsibility, and these are all components of starting a business, but the responsibility. When I went out and said, I am going to make this leap, um, I think, no, you weren't even there. And it was just Greg. And so we had to really weigh, is this okay? You know, your mother's always been, you know, uh, successful at everything she does, you know, eight type power businesswoman, the whole bit. And she was, you know, did very well for herself. And when we looked at it, we said, all right, um, it really came down to, I'm not going to be bringing in much income for the first year. And we made that decision. We did a calculated um, uh, risk assessment. We knew if it failed, well, there was plenty of things that I could do. It, we would take a nice hit, loss of cash, sure. but we could jump back from, from it. And with a family uh, and you know, a home and the whole bit, you've got to also consider that. And that's why it's very good to start things off before you have the family. But if you can't, you have to go through those exercises. And you have to be adult about it. I want, I want, don't do that. It's not emotion at that point. You've got your goal. You've got your opportunity that comes up. Analyze it and move forward. So what do you look for when you're assessing these either risks and opportunities? Like what are some of the key things that you hone in on? Well, first is the vision. You know, hey, I think I could do that. I yeah. see an opportunity. Then the normal stage of things is, oh, my God, this is great. And your mind starts flying through. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And then you got to stop. And then you got to put together a plan. And, I'm, and you know, a lot of times people put together business plans, you know, and they're long drawn out and they always lead to the financials. And today it says zero. And then tomorrow it says 32 million. <laughs> and you look at these things and you say, where is that coming from? Sure. Um, you have to ask the question, do you know how to get the revenue? If you're going to experts who don't know anything about your idea, but then you're going to hire them to get you there, you're going to be... Um, you're spending a lot of money. And you're gonna be you're gonna be disappointed. Uh, oftentimes, the uh, high flyers, big company, uh, seasoned professional salespeople, do not work well in a startup. They're used to infrastructure. They're used to time. And when you're starting a company, there is no time. You've got to get revenue in the door fast, and you've got to move. So you have to start layering all these things in, and then how much can you stretch yourself? <clears throat> And then it's not the quality of life thing. Your life becomes your, your work, and, and that's, that's the way it is. Sure. But how far you could stretch yourself out. And then who are the people that you're going to bring in, which is another peril of starting a business. <laughs> how um, so? Well, because people bring people in that they know, friends, relatives, um, people that they've worked with before. And that's often dangerous. Uh, very easy to do. Anybody who's out there that started a business knows that you're alone. Nobody really there that can help you. And you want to go to a comfort zone of somebody said, hey, I know that guy works or that girl works hard. I want them on my team and I know them or there's a relative or, you know, 
in your case, it might be easy to turn, hey, I'm starting this thing. Maybe my brother wants to get involved in it or whatever the case is. Sure. When you do those things, it does feel comfortable, but the dynamics, your goals and your what's what's okay for you is not okay for the other guy. It will never sync up, ever yeah. sync up. Um, you're having a baby. You start making money in 12 months. The other guy wants to say, hey, let's put the money back in. Let's buy new equipment. Let's get a bigger studio. Let's do all those things. The next thing you know, you're at odds. Layer in the spouses and you're doomed. (laughs) I've seen many places where, because what they do is when they get frustrated, they start getting angry at the partner and then the other spouse picks it up. And then what was once friends now becomes contentious and now it blows apart. I've seen some very good businesses fall apart with that. So you want to try to avoid that. The other thing is don't borrow from your family or friends. You won't have them after you're done. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said earlier, success means that why don't I get more of it? I helped you. Now you're forever in debt to me. Uh, and failure is you screwed me. Yeah. Not good. Don't do it. Stay away from it. All right. So these are some of the pitfalls. So what did, what did you look for in terms of finding a way to actually grow your company, get new customers? What, what were some of the first things that you did in that initial business that Citibank lent you that money? Sure. And it, what did you do? Well, Citibank actually didn't lend the money. It was just all leases. So sure. it okay. actually... So the the point of it is that, no, we used financial uh, products to get the job done. What do you and mean? So in other words, you just get, through, you know, you lease through their own products and it, and it all works. And um, so there was no borrowing or helping. It was just business. And that's what you want to go to. You don't want to go to the borrow and help bit, you know, that type sure. of thing. So, I mean... You, your question about, like, what do you do to get a business off the ground, pretty much, is that uh, a whole bunch of things. But one of the key things is you want to find an enabling contract. In that case, it was Citibank and how you can build um, uh, your relationship with them. And what happens is that your first big customer is your only customer, and it's the source of all your revenue. Value of your company, not much, because you've got one customer that goes away. And there's nothing there. And, um, you know, it's a problem. So what you have to then do is that you start, you, you know, you build that up with the customer to not only generate revenue, but as much profits as you can. And then you have to quickly pivot into getting more and more customers. So what you do is you make them a showcase customer. You work with them. You blow their minds. They start telling friends and so on and so on. And then you start growing from there, you know, and diversifying your client base. And you want to do that as fast as possible because that's when you're at your most vulnerable. Oh my God, I have some success. This is amazing, but I could fall off this cliff really fast. And so you go out and you get more customers. At a certain point, you've got to go out and bring in salespeople and you need administration. So as you're making that money, all the money that you think, wow, this is great. I'm finally making money, uh, goes to other people. (laughs) Yeah. And the process continues as as you sort of like look at it at steps you're stepping up your way to building a a profitable um revenue machine and so uh you're always going uh small companies 
a lot of people start off with, they get to a number and it's good for them. And they don't want to bring on more people. They don't want to bring on outsiders. Um, Lifestyle is good. You know, the, the investment community calls it a lifestyle business. Sure. You know, oh, that's a lifestyle business. All right. Well, the guys, you know, built up a nice company there. It's very small and tight or girl. And um, and off they go. They're making a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe million dollars a year. Life is good. They've got it on a roll. Their house is paid. They've got a nice house. They've got a boat. They go on vacation. Life is good. And it's okay for that. It's not somebody, you know, could you bring it to the next level? Maybe, but people make decisions not to, you know, and that's success. If you get to that place, that's success. Um, What I found is that I was never really satisfied with that. And it wasn't really the money. It was really to bring it to the next level. What can you do to innovate and go? So for me, you know, I had, you know, what, and what you have to do is you got to morph. You got to be from the guy that does everything to back off and get professional management in and uh, pay people a lot of money. And one of the biggest issues I see with companies out there who want to grow, who make the decision they want to bring it to the next level, but just can't, is they can't bring on that talent. They can't let it go. Why not? And they just can't. And then they don't want to spend the money. Hey, I've already got a nice pocket of change here. I really don't want to do it. And it sort of hovers around there. That's the danger zone. If you sort of stepped up there and you got into the big leagues leagues, and you're not bringing professional management around, that's when you're in a different place and that's when you can get wiped out. So don't go there if you're not willing to spend the money and bring in the talent. Uh, you've got to put your ego in your pocket. You got to let other people come in. You got to back off on decisions. You've got to hold your tongue, bite your tongue sometimes really hard when good people come in and they're going in a different direction that you think might be wrong. And you got to let it run it out. If they're doing something dangerous, different story. But um, bottom line is you're not there yet, so you don't necessarily have to worry about it, but you will find yourself in different phases of business life. And you have to morph into something different. And then if you ultimately get it to a $100 million company or something like that, you got to morph again. And you also have to know when it's beyond your capability or if you just don't want to do it. Yeah. And then you've got to, and you got to be honest with yourself. That's a key thing in business. Be honest with yourself. Okay. Well, so what is what's different about this time you doing this? So you sold Flight Docs last year, and then Correct. you just went out. You bought a couple small uh, maintenance tracking companies, but in the marine industry, sure. even doing uh, you know physical products and things like that. So what is <clears throat> is there any real difference between what you did at Flight Docs and what you're doing with these companies, and where you see it going? Sure, totally different industry. So it's totally different setup. Uh, aviation was somewhat established when we got into it. And when we broke into the market, there was a fork in the road or a bend in the road, which was the internet. You're probably hard to believe, but there was no internet. Really, products on the what? internet in 2003 and four. it was very new. And it was an opportunity to break in, but it was an established industry. Um, Camp Systems was in there, and they were the market leader. And they um, 
the business model was there and we just had to do it better with technology and service. So, you know, we did that for a long time and uh, we exited that business successfully. Um, we decided to do something again. Uh, we looked at the marine world and it's totally different. You had uh, no one there. It's basically the Wild West. There's no established company that manages maintenance for vessels. Uh, and as a boat owner, uh, trying to get a boat serviced, uh, unless it's a small recreational boat, and today that's even becoming hard, uh, it's chaos. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. The, everybody charges double and triple for the same work. There's no way to get out in front of anything. And when we started doing our research, we started to talking about to uh, some of the bigger yacht and higher end recreational boat people, and they, their biggest fear is one and done. And so one and done is you got somebody who could really afford to buy these boats or these yachts, and sometimes they're millions and millions of dollars. And then they go to take care of them and they write the checks and they have it, but every time they step aboard, something's broke. And they're paying to fix the same thing 25 times because nobody knows what they're doing. So so there's an opportunity. There's there. an opportunity there. But because it's the Wild West, we actually have to create the industry. Now, there's some maintenance tracking. And like you said, there was uh, two companies that we bought, but completely different. Um, uh, no requirements to use it and um, technology shy of what it needs to be. So in order for us to succeed, we have to um, sort of revolutionize the industry. And that's heavy lifting. Yeah. We have to go in, put out products that make sense to people, plug into their um, uh, operation effectively where it's easy, and then also provide uh, data across the board so it makes it worthwhile. So the way these uh, services are delivered are critical. If nobody buys it, because our revolutionary thought <laughs> sure. was off, well, then it's the same situation. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So um, it's different. And just like we felt at Flight Docs, we could have been crushed by our competitor, but we maneuvered around them. This time we have to make the market. This, this time we have to become the de facto company. And And as you'll see, you know, we haven't released yet, but... There are many things that we're going to do differently to tie the industry together, uh, which makes our product um, effective. Communication, satellite communication, telematics, things like that, that automate a lot of the processes that are really not out there. We're going to implement, and we think it'll make a big difference. So you've got flight docks and you've got uh, you know wheelhouse and vessel vanguard. The two approaches there were mm -hmm. revolutionize the industry. You saw an opportunity with the internet to bring the sure. power of the internet to people in 2003, 2004, and now you see an opportunity here. So it's much more focused on you know revolutionizing, bringing new technology, all that kind of stuff. What was what was the initial thought with the first business of actually launching that? Were you thinking about ways to revolutionize it, or was it more of a I see just Whatever it was, or like you're mining for gold, but I see something here and I'm going for it. Or did you have the same, I'm going to revolutionize this? No, it wasn't. Um, I always I always use technology in anything I do. So, you know, I was going to deploy technology to track 
who was using machines and things like that. So we did things of that nature and then uh, just reporting, superior reporting or whatever. But the first business was really about I could bring in these uh, companies and um, if I bring in 10, 20 of them, I'm going to make a significant amount of money. So I just saw the financial opportunity. So realistically, it was always about high level of customer service, always, and a high quality product. That was it. That that's really what you roll out with. Uh, it's just it's just different industries require different um, attack patterns. <laughs> sure, that's what it really does. In this one, technology is all out there. All of it's out there. What's very interesting is this significant technology going into boats. I mean, mind blowing stuff. Um, uh, but when it comes to the actual service side or building those those service models um, and the tools that you that are available to make it work, uh, they're not implemented properly. And so we see how to implement them, and that's what we're going to do. Now, again, if people go, that's great. The tools are there. Thanks for putting it together, but we're not going to use them either. We want to stay in the Wild West. All right. Sure. There you go. So you got the risk. So we just see it differently. You know, it's just, it's just um, but being real about it. You know, yeah. products are great. Products are off the chart that we're building, right off the chart. Um, we'll see how it goes. So the core of it, right? So the core piece that you started with, with the first business mm-hmm. was, hey, I see an opportunity here. And the way that I'm going to grow this is excellent customer service and delivering an excellent product. The It seems like the rest was kind of a, a byproduct of that. And then I remember at flight docs that customer service and a good product and good, you know, everything that we would deliver was quality. So it seems like that is the primary thing that you need to tame first when doing a business and growing it. And then as far as the operation of the business, as far as the operation of the business, look, this is what you're doing. Uh, you're knocking on somebody's door and you're saying, I'd, I'd like some money for a service I'm going to provide you. Well, what are you, you going to give them? Hey, I can get your money. This is great. I'm going to give you half half's product. You could do that. Staying power isn't there. It works for some people. You sure. know. Um, I think the key to building a long-term solid business that you can count on in any economy is to provide great service and a great product. Because you're telling your customer every time that they're paying you, and they're writing that check, hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a good product from these people. These people care. Uh, even in 2008, <clears throat> excuse me, when um, you know aviation literally fell apart, um, most of our customers stayed with us, um, and we worked through with uh, some that you know were just closed down flight departments. But for the most part. We didn't have any defectors, and we even grew like you know single digits uh, during that time. So, and then in the good times, you know, you benefit. <clears throat> and during COVID, um, in aviation, uh, we grew over thirty percent, you know, year over year, and uh, you know, in in COVID. So uh, that goes a long way. People people want to stay with vendors that care about them. And today, anybody starting a business, you want if you want to be successful, it's it almost a, it's a force multiplier. Pick up your phone, 
respond to your customers because nobody does it today. Your service is the worst I've ever seen it. It's nobody cares. <laughs> nobody yeah. cares. So if you want to stick out, and it doesn't matter. The best part about it is people will talk about your company even if it has nothing to do with it. Hey, I went to the uh, auto store today and the guy actually took the part out, brought it to my car. It was great. Showed me how to do it. People would be shocked. Yeah. They'll want to go back and get the guy's autograph at the auto store for doing it because it doesn't exist. People hang up on you. You call someplace. They don't answer the phone. They answer the emails when they feel like it. You ask for prices for things. People just don't get back to you for days. Nobody cares. You want to succeed? Drop in a commitment to your customers and you'll win every time. Make any sense? It does. So I have one last question for sure. you. Um, you always talk about cash flow in a business, even mm -hmm. now. So what is cash flow and why is it super important to you? Because it's blood. You know, if you don't have blood, you die. <laughs> it's you need to have you need to watch your cash. Um, you, and, and that's my comment before about big company executives coming into small companies. They don't worry about that. They've got millions or maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars or more at their disposal if they don't collect on, on things, if they don't get around to billing something. It doesn't matter, you know? If they spend more money on something and it doesn't work out, oh, oh well. Um, uh, and the smaller you go, the more important cash flow is. You need the cash, and uh, without it, you can't pay your employees. There's nothing... That's it. So you got to watch it like a hawk. Um, the part is, is that when you start becoming successful, you want to spend more. You want to really bring it to the next level. Yeah. You want to implement that next product. Um, pitfall. You know, you extend yourself too far, you fall off a cliff. And then there's the dreaded banks. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people feel differently. If you borrow from a bank... Um, you know, the way I feel about it, honestly, is that on a small company, you're either signing up personally, right, because they don't want to give you. And if you're not signing personally, uh, they could call loans at any moment whenever they feel like it, which they say they never do. But as soon as uh, a downturn in the economy and they've got to get their tier one cash back up to the right place, they're calling everything in. Um very dangerous. You lose financial control of your company. And then no matter what happens, if they decide to pull the trigger that they want the money now or call the loan now, um, you got problems. So you're basically giving your, you're kind of giving up uh, the potential of your future, you know, to them sure. in some ways. Sure. You got to be careful. Now, sometimes you have to take the risk, you know, to get to the next level. Sometimes you don't have a choice, but you've got to be very careful. And I would be I caution anybody uh, about, uh, from a business standpoint, to uh, sign personally for business expenses. Not that you should be out there and try to stick it to anybody. I don't think that's right on any front. You should uh, stand behind the things that you sign on for and pay them. Uh, but if things get out of control and the business just fails, then um, you don't want them taking your house because yeah. they'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is, you know, just going back into recapping, when we talked about, you know, borrowing money and, and family and all that stuff, 
um, there's another factor is that, um, you know, people go out and they borrow money from a lot of times parents will lend money to their kids for business. And if they succeed, they never sort of like really feel that they feel that they succeeded without their parents. Yeah. It's something that hangs around. And then if you have the parents that are like, yes, I gave them the money and I was instrumental in their success, then it's, um, it becomes a problem yeah, for yeah. the child. So that's why you're not getting a dime and I'm not, <laughs> giving you a thing for your venture. <laughs> I don't want anything from you. No, I don't want to become it's, a loser. It's No, it's, you see there's I mean there's people that are older that went that path and they're full-grown adults and they're full-size babies. I mean they're it's they're big children it seems like and I don't want to yeah. I don't ever want to find myself there. No, um no it's not good stay out of your kids lives as well. Yeah, get um, away from me. Yeah, no, no, not on the financial <laughs> side. Look, there's always things that family things that come up that are, you know, off the charts. Maybe somebody gets sick and there's an issue. And I'm not talking about being, um, you know, disconnected from your family. But for the most part, uh, stay away from business ventures of your kids. Don't lend money to them. It's a it's a bad thing. And... um you know, you got to do it your own. I f- I'm sure you feel a lot different when you got to spend your own money on yes. equipment. And uh, when you pull the trigger, it's coming directly out of your pocket. <clears throat> yes. I pull the trigger and then sometimes you don't sleep because you're thinking about how you're going to do all this stuff. Sure. And then, and then, and then when you buy the you wrong stuff. you don't sleep because you realize you bought all the wrong stuff. Yep. And that's just part of it. Yeah. You know, these are things that people don't It's much uh, more dynamic than I thought it was. It's much more dynamic. Absolutely. That's for sure. What else you got, Chris? Uh, Nothing else today. I'm going to think about this cash flow stuff even more now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we should do this. We should do this again. If you're open to it, we should do this again, like probably the next few weeks and- I'm actually going to, so I, I did So you'll have more questions. So I'll have more questions, but I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to turn to this thing called pod inbox that I found. People can actually leave voicemails straight on the, the website. So we'll have some people, uh, send in some questions for you. What do you think the questions will be? Um, you know, how do you style your hair? <laughs> there is nothing. There's no hair. It's just whatever's the vestiges. <laughs> So, I mean, are you open to doing that? Sure. All right. We'll do it. All right. So if we let's, can help, that's great. Let's put a pin in here for now, and then we'll circle back to this in the next few weeks. Great. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But thanks for doing this. Good luck. Thanks. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Was it good? Yeah. Why? <laughs>